Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat. It's episode 142. Wow, we have been going for quite a long time now. That's over two years. Uh, this show has been coming to you every single uh, Tuesday evening at 8pm. Uh, yes, we've even done it over Christmas and New Year. We've been recorded shows, so yeah, we never stop. 52 weeks a year, you can come and listen to rugby. And it's been a struggle, I must say, during this last month or, or two, because there's not been any rugby for us to talk about. But um, uh, but joining this evening, Stephen, we, we, we've, 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 we've made a fair good fist of it, haven't we, keeping on talking about rugby when there's nothing there to play. Absolutely, Paul. And you look like you've done all 142 shows as well, waking up these last few mornings, needing your um, needing a hot water bottle and socks. Obviously, the Tron is not treating you that well. But on saying that, listen, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be on the show as well, Paul. But uh, yeah, we've done very, very well. But as previously, as we just talking pre-show, we're not too far away from from, well, Super Rugby, Aotearoa starting, but uh, we've also got some Rugby League and a couple of uh, couple of sleeps to go to look forward to as well. We have. This is a union show, but if you would like to talk about Rugby League, we would love to have a Rugby League show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. So if you um, are love talking about League, then just reach out. We're putting together a League show. Please do let us, um, us know. Uh, obviously, be based mainly on NRL. Hey, Charlene, great to see you in the live chat there. If, you're in the, if you are watching live, then please do... Um, join in the chat. We've got three main topics of this um, this week. We're looking at the three Reds players who refused to take a pay, pay cut uh, and how that's all been handled. Uh, the return to club rugby um, here in New Zealand. Uh, and also, are we going to see a, a stream of players back from uh, Europe, do you think, to, to, to New Zealand? Now, Stephen, we have got a special guest tonight, haven't we? Yes, we we have. Um, it's fantastic to have a an international uh, rugby rugby player as well. But to have uh, Dwayne on, who you've uh, featured on uh, one of your shows as well, the long the long chat pool. It's it's fantastic, and hopefully we can drag him back every uh, every Tuesday night as well. <laughs> that's, that's a bit of an ask. Well, you've gone and skipped, and you, I was going to say, hey, can you introduce him? Because uh, oh, anyway, the, <laughs> well, um, I can, I can, I can, I, well, I can, I, I can, I can do. It. It's on me. Welcome, Dwayne Poliatiavo. How close was I? Close, very close. Telephone men. Um, uh, thank you for having me. It's another privilege to be on your show again. So again. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Well, different show, yeah. You were on the long chat. It was great to have a chat with you there. Where we talked about your journey through rugby. So if you want to hear Dwayne's journey um, from uh, South Auckland through to playing for Samoa uh, and then and also playing over in the USA for Major League Rugby, then go back and listen to that interview. Um, I'll add a link, that link down below. I've probably done that before. Um, but yes, uh, we were talking pre uh, about, about pre-show about actually the return of rugby. So let's kick off there first, I guess. Um, so Dwayne, you're, we've, the government's announced that groups uh, can increase from 10 to 100 as of midday on Friday uh, and that uh, we can, we'll have the return of club rugby um, so, uh, was it Pakaranga? I think you said you're playing for the have, have 
how organised are they? How ready are you guys to, to to sort of get back into training and get back to playing? I think they're, they're quite um, organised um, club, you know, run by a um, great bunch of men and also women as well. Uh, we've got a got a message out to say that um, you know they're ready to train uh, come next week. Um, so it's it's exciting times. Uh, probably not just for myself, but a lot of the junior kids that are preparing as well. You know, they've been stuck indoors for for weeks. Um, so it's um, exciting for New Zealand um, club rugby um, in general just to to get back and hopefully build. Um, and um, you know, people to go into bars and or in the club bars and stuff like that, spend a little bit of money into their local clubs. So it's definitely exciting. Yeah, clubs are going to need that very much so. So, the um, New Zealand rugby put together a, um, a three phase approach to return to play um, for clubs. Phase one was prepare to train, um, and that ended on Monday, uh, the 25th, which is today. Oh, sorry, yesterday. That's um, uh, and then we're now into the prepare-to-play stage, which goes from the 25th to the 19th of June. Um, so basically, from the uh, 29th of May, uh, we can get up to 100. So that's when um, pre-season training can, can sort of kick off properly, because before that, it's been announced as 10 people. Uh, and the 13th of June um, is when they're announced to have one pre-season match before the season starts, which is, um, well, the earliest it can start is the 20th of june so what are we looking at there basically if it kicks off this friday one two three weeks is, is three weeks going to be enough to from no contact to full contact uh are, are you happy with, with that level of uh preparation for before you go to sort of start smacking into each other i think for me personally i think it's depending on the individual if they've sort of trained themselves during the lockdown then i guess they'll be ready for a little bit of contact but otherwise, if you're going in, um, you know, blinded um, and you go straight into contact, that's, you know, you're probably asking for um, a few injuries and stuff like that. So probably depending on how the clubs are um, and how they, um, you know, incorporate the um, contact and, you know, defence, scrums and stuff like that, that is, is crucial to how, you know, preventing injuries. Um, you know, we've seen the Warriors um, with their current sort of injury crisis and who knows what's going on there, you know, it could be a layoff and then you know, straight into the big stuff. So just depends on how the clubs do um, incorporate contact um, then yeah, it should be okay so Stephen it's, it's interesting you got your white matter jersey on there um, <laughs> back in the day you used, you used to play a bit of club footy what kind of pre-season would you expect to have normally for for, um, for a rugby game for a rugby season well in, interestingly enough I was chatting to a, a coach who has got the um, North Harbour Club side, Takapuna, and they've actually been keeping in constant contact even during lockdown with their players, not just to find out where they are in terms of, of, of fitness, but as we know, the amateur game, it's it's about going to work for eight hours and then training whenever you've got got spare time. And through COVID-19, as, as we've heard through a lot of news reports, a lot of Jobs have been lost, employment, etc. And I, I know chatting to this particular coach, he said, we're just keeping an eye on players. How they're doing with regards to their regular training is probably no different to what they'd be doing in a preseason game. But they're also just trying to find out what the state of mind with a lot of the players are as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if you're in the amateur ranks, you've got to put some food on the table before ever, anything else. And that's pretty much what comes first so I, I think it would it'd be like a like a normal season it'd be a little bit weird because we're we're pretty much almost thinking for in terms of club gee we're almost starting from the middle of the season aren't we fellas or maybe almost three quarters through the season but that's really the tough one we all know from an individual piece how was it was we couldn't exactly just go to the gym or go and do what we wanted to do so we really had to come up with our our own game plan yeah. And look, I mean, we've got players like um, Bowden Barrett doing record Broncos. Um, look, I mean, cardiovascularly, the, the the fitness is there. Let's be honest. It's it's. I think it's the it's the contact fitness, uh, and whether you're uh, more than the actual aerobic fitness. Um, I think actually, as you say, some of these club players who normally have a day job have had time off. They could be fitter than they've ever been, but they've just had no contact um, because they've actually been able to train. If they wanted to, um, if you wanted to make a to make a big splash, I, I'm not sure everyone would have that motivation to do so. Let's be honest. Uh, and I had all sorts of good intentions going into lockdown, but um, I haven't kept on the road. Um, but uh, so yeah, so it's not not that for everyone. Also, 
Um, Dwayne, is there any news coming out of Auckland Rugby around as to what the season's going to look like? Because I'd say kicking off on the 20th of June, we've got the Minus 10 Cup kicking off on the basically 12 weeks later. In September, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, to be honest, um, uh, Stephen will probably have more knowledge than I would have in terms of club. Um, yeah, as you said, dates um, in terms of preseason, that's probably kicking off uh, June 13th, I think it is. He could probably actually have a preseason game. Yeah. Um, so that's not too far away. Um, and you know, three weeks to build into a first game, yeah, yeah, that's it's going to be tricky. Um, but yeah, the best well prepared team quickly will probably advance and do really well because I mean, there are what it's um, I think it's 16 teams in the uh premiership of um, of Auckland. So you've got Marist, Eden Park, Waitemata, Pakaranga, Subby, Suburbs, College Rifles, Ponsonby. To Papa, um, Waitari, Grammar, Papatoe, Otahu, Mount Wellington, Manukau, East Tamaki University. Yes, that's 16 teams. We've only got 12 weeks. They can't even play each other once. Um, I'm, just, I'm just wondering how you can, or do you think the club se- the club season could overlap with my 10 Cup? I mean, that's. And then have Paul, to I was, go on, go on, Paul, Paul, I was about to say, don't don't underestimate these guys. I mean, it's like, even though even though club players, you'll you'll find that a lot of these guys would have would have basically played last last year. They would have been keeping themselves in in reasonable nick. And you know, when you love at that level, they actually love the game and they 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 play play because they want to get out on the paddock. On the other side of it, there'll be some guys that'll be fizzing to get out on the paddock and get into a a little bit of a little bit of physical contact. And my way of looking at it. Sure, it's a short period, but you know what? Everybody is in the same boat. It's not as if somebody's been able to do do extras. And the fact of the matter is, they're just going to hit the ground running. Sure, some of the early preseason rugby, early games is going to look a little bit like preseason. But I think once they once they find their feet, um, they'll be good as goal, Paul. I'm just worried. I'm, yeah, I'm just worried we might have quite a few injuries on that first couple of weeks from those contacts. That's my only concern. Um, yeah, I think what I've sort of found as well is um, a lot of, uh, you know, talking to a couple of friends over in counties, uh, competitions, even here in Auckland, um, you know, they're keeping in close contact with each other, um, challenging each other in terms of trainings. You know, what, what I can do, they sort of post it up and then you got to do it or passing the parcels. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, as Stephen said, people are, you know, all boys are dying to get out on the field <laughs> and, and just, just get amongst it and play. Um, I think there's nothing better than... Um, being with your mates and you know guys that you just had group chats with and been away from, and then all of a sudden, bang, you're straight into rugby. So I think it'll be fizzing, fizzing to go, uh, ready to play some rugby, and just probably just ready to tackle and you know, get some frustration out of the lockdown into um, you know onto the rugby field. So, <laughs> so what's been your favourite um, little uh, challenge that you've seen then between rugby players? I think a post of uh, was a 45 minute workout. Um, pretty brutal, to be honest. I think some some of the boys, um, even a coach, got amongst it. Um, you know, some of the boys were saying their coaches started it and sort of passed the parcel and like get the front rows. Um, so you know, what can you do? Can you beat my score? Beat my time? Something like that. So it's just those little things to keep everyone interested. Um, no, also just challenges everyone. I've seen fun ones where the hold the ball between your legs and you got to basically let go and catch it again nine times. Um, things like moving your hands around the other side of your legs each time. Um, but a 45 minute workout challenge that is that's next level. Um, that's <laughs> that's not just little that's not just little tricks of oh, can you kick the ball into the into your wheelie bin at the end of your garden, uh, which we all be all trick shots, trick shots and things. That's um, yeah, wow, okay. Um, so okay, so we yeah, players are gonna be ready. We've got two weeks until till pre after the preseason game three weeks until the season kicks off. Stephen, what do you think the season's going to look like? I mean, we've got 16 teams, but we've got 12 weeks, t- weekends, and then Mighty Cup, Cup happens the weekend after that. So sh- I mean, surely we've got to try and wrap it up in 12 weeks. Yeah, it's going to it's 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 going to be like a, a club season that's going to be a little bit like a Mighty 10 Cup. It's it's pretty much going to be a sprint. But, you know, I, I kind of look at times like this. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity. And Dwayne will appreciate appreciate this you probably played with guys who if they've got their level of fitness up you know maybe a, a chance to crack 
might attend level was was the next goal for them. So I, I just think it's just a good opportunity. There'll be probably some players that'll be stressing at the moment, thinking, oh my God, two week, couple of weeks, so what am I going to do? But, you know, once again, here's a challenge for club coaches as well. You get, Maybe you're going to get a lot of your, your bigger tight forwards turn up. So, you know, you've just got to come up with a game plan that keeps them playing in very, very thin channels so they don't have to cover too much ground. And, and we all know with the big, we all know with the big, um, the big engine guys or the guys who eat a lot, they, they do take a while to, to get fit where, you know, sort of, I would expect loose forwards, halfbacks especially, and, uh, and outside backs to be reasonably fit. So you, they shouldn't have opened up KFC until the season was allowed. Um, until, yeah, until the season started, that, that would have been a great idea. But hey, you've seen the cues, you've seen the lines, so man, couldn't hold it back. Oh dear, that fried chicken. Oh, it's lovely. Um, <laughs> do, but do you think they'll sort of like maybe take the top eight from last season and the bottom eight from last season and get them to play each other uh, rather than try and do the whole the whole 16? Or or do you have to give every 16 or, or all the teams a chance um, at that Gallagher Shield? Be a good question. Um, to be honest, I'm, yeah, I haven't really sort of brushed on um, what's sort of going on with the club footy. Yeah, that uh, if they go with the same model, then it will probably just be the same, and, and they'll probably still play club rugby through so the Mitre Ten Cup. But as Stephen said, it's a great opportunity for a lot of the guys who are probably on the fringes of making Mitre Ten Cup, and you're a great opportunity when you have the lockdown to work on your skills or your body or you know your fitness and stuff like that. So. You know, there were probably guys who were probably just on the fringe. Uh, and in this, this you know, quick season, probably the first few games, your the coaches will be out there watching. Modern coaches will be out there watching. And, you know, and it's also a battle as well with the player. If he's mentally switched on during the lockdown to come in in good shape, um, you know, the coaches will see that and be like, oh, OK, he's mentally strong and, and focused on trying to have a good crack at Modern 10. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that the coaches will, will use during this time, especially probably the first four weeks of the season. Um, so it's, it's going to be exciting times, and it's, it's going to be great, great club footy. I guess Paul, I've just been, Paul, I've just been looking at the. Uh, I had a quick look through the Auckland website. Nothing, nothing on sort of Facebook at this stage. But I, I think you'll probably see over the next week or two. Now that we've been given the okay from the government to train in specific groups, I think you'll see a few directives come through a lot of the social. Uh, network um very impressed with with northland they've actually put out some information then they've actually sent out uh, surv surveys to their uh, supporter supporters just asking some uh, uh basically you know specific uh, feedback in and around uh, in and around club stuff so i think that's really being being proactive because you know I think once the season starts, supporters are going to want to know, hey, can we all collectively go out and watch these guys in our little bubbles or, or, or groups or things like that? So I'm pretty sure most of the union, unions, if they're onto it, they'll feed out that information over the next couple of weeks or at least before the season starts. Yeah, no, I, I, <clears throat> pardon me, I agree. And look, we've got in two weeks' time, I think it's the 8th of, uh, from memory, it's the 8th of June, the, the, the review of the, of the guidelines. Um, which is which is which is the kind of the week leading up to those pre preseason games, and then the twenty second of June is when they would they said they would definitely have a definitely make some sort of comment about returning to phase level one. Now at level one, we can basically all go to games um, and should should be okay. So that would only be so yeah, we might there may be just like a restriction around the first couple of weeks, uh, and then after that it could be open uh, to everybody. We'll just have to wait and see what those guidelines are, and do check, folks on. The club web on, on the union Facebook pages and websites before you go to a game as to what as to what those uh, rules are. Um, what Simon says is uh, he says I don't know a lot about Auckland rugby. Um, you could do a conference system two groups of eight. So just to give Simon uh, and everyone else who is watching and listening an update, the way that the uh, that it works in Auckland and I'm pretty sh uh, pretty sure it's also the way that it works in Waikato. So I thought it was a countrywide way, but maybe I'm wrong. Is that you have one round where you all play? Each, you play all the other teams once, um, so that would be fifteen games. Uh, so, and then at the end of that, you end up with a table, obviously, of one to sixteen. The top eight then go and play each other again, and the bottom eight go go and play each other again. The top eight playing for the the top the top prize, which in, in Auckland is the Gallagher Shield, uh, and the bottom eight playing for a second uh, a secondary prize. So that's how it would normally happen. So you're talking fifteen weeks plus another seven weeks. So that's what twenty two weeks of regular season 
followed by um, semi-finals and finals. You're looking at 24 weeks, which basically, if we're start, if we're kicking off, um, well, there's only 52 weeks in a year, uh, which means there's what 26 weeks. So that that would now, if you kicked off on the 20th of June, that would basically take you until Christmas if you were to have the season as normal. Um, and we could have finals finals footy on Christmas Day. Um, who is uh, who, who's who's up for that? Do anything think that people would be uh, up for finals footy on Christmas Day? That'll be an interesting question to ask the boys, but probably not. But hey, look, we've been away from rugby for a wee while, um, you know, it's in, and we did enough. So you know, I'm, I'm sure the boys will be keen to play anyways. But um, it's a question you probably are going to have to ask the you know Auckland club rugby and you know the governance and stuff like that. So yeah, it could could be a hard and fast tournament. Um, you know, could shorten it up and you know just get rugby um you know started and playing so yeah it'll be interesting um interesting questions to ask yeah so this 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 there is there are definitely questions to come out of the from the administrators as to how they're going to run this season um and keep it so w- w- one of the things we've had coming out of uh, english football um was uh, it's the integrity of the tournament um was, was a term that was used so if you don't play everyone else then it does that does that reduce the integrity of the tournament? Say you played half the teams or, or, or all the teams once, and then half the other teams or a quarter of the teams, just so you could fit it in because number of weeks available. Um, yeah, there's got to be there will be some people making comments about the integrity of the tournament because people would have harder and easier draws. But we'll have to see how that all um, how that all pans out. And um, Stephen, did you say that North that uh, Northland already announced the fixture list? Uh, not so much a fixture list. I think they're just sending out information to to all the clubs and getting uh, supportive feedback. I was just thinking about the if, if Auckland have got maybe 10 to 12 weeks, I can see something like a two-conference system. Top, then you take the two the two top teams from each from each conference go into uh go into semifinals, maybe something like that. It, I know it's pretty simplistic and it'll be pr- pretty tough because there are some really, really good good especially the top half a dozen so teams in Auckland in the last few years and I think Dwayne can twist, testify to this that it's been really close and on a given day some of the any any one of these teams could have uh, um, knocked each other over I know talking to Jacob Machu the Northland number eight who played for suburbs a few seasons ago he often tells me that the Auckland club rugby is as physical as anything that he played in in wider 10 cup which is is a you know qu- quite a comment or quite a compliment to uh, to Auckland Club Rugby. Maybe Dwayne can elaborate a little bit on that as well. Yeah, that, that's probably a fair comment. Um, you know, playing in Auckland, it's, it's definitely competitive. Um, you know, you see it in school rugby as well. You know, the, the kids that are coming through are humongous, you know. So, um, you know, I wish I was that size uh, coming through. But, hey, times have changed. And, uh, yeah, but uh, definitely uh, talking about club, um, you know, as I said before the show, um, what a matter, we had some great battles with them. Um, you know, probably our hoodoo team, to be honest, um, Pukidonga. So, um, you know, we'll win some, but we definitely lose a, a fair few against uh, Watermata. So, uh, but it goes to show, you know, if you're not on your, um, you know, <laughs> you're not on um, on your day, um, you know, someone else can, can pick you and it, it can be anyone. You know, it's, it's, that's the beauty of Auckland Club Rugby at the moment. So. so you all talk about that and I'm thinking, you know, next Wednesday, not tomorrow, but the week after, I'll be able to get down to Hamilton Old Boys Touch Rugby. Um, social touch rugby on a Wednesday evening, so that's my that'll be my one. Nice. Um, and uh, just actually, just so you people know, one of the guys I played touch rugby with, he kicks the winning conversion for Waikato to beat the Springboks back in the day. So, yes, um, I might be younger than some of them, but I'm definitely not as skilled as all of them. Um, <laughs> some good players there. Um, the uh, also, let's go. But you would not have normally been playing uh, if it wasn't for COVID. You wouldn't have been playing the club season this year because you'd have been over. The club season would have happened in the first half of the year. You'd have been over in the states playing um, major league rugby. So, how many extra players do you think are going to be available and around? Are we going to see stronger teams? Are there going to be more guys like yourself available? Uh, is, is it going to be a significant number, or is it just going to be ones and twos here and there? No, I think there's definitely um, a fair few boys uh, back from the US as well. Um, not so much the US, and also you got Japan, um, who their seasons on the dealt with. Um, you know, I've got some um, you know, good mates that are here as well, but it's just a, um, a question of whether their clubs will allow them, um, you know, to play some club rugby or some form of rugby. Um, you know, on hindsight, you probably would want them to play rugby, but at the same time, you know, 
Japanese season will probably start off soon and you probably don't want them to be banged up and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely a fair few boys um, here in the MLR who, you know, we could have been still in season right now, um, heading into finals footy, um, yeah, roughly around this time, May, um, end of May to June. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely going to be a, a, a competitive season, not just in Auckland, but I think across New Zealand and Mata 10 as well. Um, it's, you know, building into Mata 10, you've probably seen guys um, who are back from France. Um, you know, there was the likes of Ben Smith who, who chucked his name and who could have been back for the Highlanders, but uh, I think he chose otherwise. So, um, you know, there's, it's going to be an exciting competition. Um, and I think, as we said, people are just keen to just play rugby um, and how good would it be to see some All Blacks play Mata 10 Cup as well, or even club rugby? Uh, that's a, that'll be exciting. Well, talk about well, you, we've got yourself, Samoan International, at the Rugby World Cup last year. Um, we've got Rennie Ranger, will be up in Northland, the um, uh, ex All Black. Obviously, he he was over with over in MLR as well, but so but he'll be yeah. available to play. He's playing up in Northland. Northland. You just mentioned Ben Smith is decided to play club rugby down in Otago. So yeah, it's going to be across the board that. Um, these players are available. It's interesting that Brody Retallick is not playing a, um, Super Rugby Aotearoa. So will Brody be playing some club club rugby um, before playing for the for Hawks Bay uh, in the Mighty Ten Cup, or before playing for the All Blacks in the sort of Bledisloe Cup game? So he might use some club rugby down in Hawks Bay uh, to get himself match ready for for those sort of games. So yeah, as you say. There are some. There's, there's going to be some exciting names that you're not going to that, that you're going to be surprised at seeing on some get on, on some team sheets around the country. So, folks, do get down to your clubs uh, and see who's playing because I think you'll be surprised as to some of the names that are there. And not all clubs are very. Let's be honest. Not all clubs have got the the. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, uh, the, the kind of resources to advertise that they've got these international players playing for them. So you might not know unless you actually turn up. Uh, and get handed a printed out piece of paper while you're there at the game. Um, the uh, I think yeah I think that's going to be one of those um, one of those things. Any other things on on sort of grassroots and uh, club rugby rugby before we move on? No, I think we've pretty much covered it off, uh, Paul. It's just really a matter of uh, waiting and and seeing some of the information that will come through the 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 respect respective unions. All I can say is uh, is bring it on. I'm just hoping that we've got Pakuranga at uh, at uh, Waitemata Park just up the road in the first round of the season. <laughs> Catch up then, Dave. Definitely, 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 Stephen. Uh, that'll be exciting, exciting times. The um the the yeah, the other team we'll be trying to get up to is to see um uh, Junior, who's the uh, director of rugby um for Papi Toto. Um, Papi Toto, sorry, or whatever. Oh, just sorry, folks. I'm just I'm butchering pronunciation. Um, you're talking about Junior Polanganga from right. uh, Papi Toto. <laughs> okay, I, I, just wondered, I just wondered. I think they all basically just call him Junior Polu. I think you probably everybody knows. So yes, so we'll be uh, we'll be we're looking at trying to catch up with him as well. He was another person who I've had on the long talk, um, and was yep. uh, one yep. of the owners yep. of that number nine jersey before before Dwayne um, for some other. Um So. One of the other things that's happened recently is three players over in Australia, um, Isaac Rodder, uh, Harry Hawkins, and Isaac Lucas, refused to take the pay cuts um, that the Players Association over there had negotiated and agreed with Rugby Australia. Um, and uh, what followed then was that the Reds Rugby Club decided to stand them down um, before the... Um, uh, before the the players then said actually they were they were um, stepping out of their um, contract uh, and then Australia, Australia then said they were terminating the contract so quite at the end of the day basically they ended up saying they wouldn't take the pay cut and, they, and their contracts got cancelled quite who cancelled it whether they resigned before they were before they were um, uh, before they were sacked is 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 really immaterial at the end of the day. Um, Dwayne, you've been involved in, obviously as a professional rugby player, in, in discussions. How much control do you have over what uh, the Rugby Players Association kind of agree for you? Um, and it, uh, and is, is, it, is it kind of, you just have to go with it? Or, uh, or obviously they decided not to. But how, how, you, how, you, how, I guess, how in line is the Players Association with the players normally? 
they're actually quite good. Um, you know, they they all do, or definitely do, you know, surveys and stuff like that to see what sort of um, caters to the players. Um, so they're always player first or player driven. Um, you know, in this case, it's quite uh, tricky because, from what I understand, they're under the same agent as well. So it's almost like you know they made a decision based on um, that group or you know the, them three, uh, which has probably affected their. Um, the contract and stuff like that. So it is a tricky situation. Um, and it's probably not the best, you know, especially with Australian rugby and what it is. And, you know, a couple of young men who are probably, you know, ready to represent Australia as well. So you're, you're losing out on, on talent. Um, but in terms of the Players Association, you know, they do great things for us. Um, you know, they, they voice our concerns to the respective unions um, and also agents, you know, and stuff like that. So they're always on our side. Um, it's not you know, entirely, um, you know, them just doing it for themselves. Um, you know, they do listen. Um, and, you know, there's been numerous times where they've helped us in, in different, you know, scenarios, whether it be pay or, or you know, travel or, and stuff like that. So, yeah, they're definitely on the player side. The uh, Yeah, and it's, it's there, there are discussions obviously going on here in New Zealand as well between uh, the Players Association and New Zealand Rugby about the minor 10 Cup side of things uh, that are still ongoing, haven't been finalised yet. Um but you mentioned there the fact that yeah these three guys are all under the same uh, the same agent. Now I read an article that mentioned some of the stuff that agents have, have been involved with before. So like a couple of I think it was rugby league players um, had gone back to their school and the coach said, "Hey, do you mind turning up for a training session?" They said, "Yeah, sure." Um, later that afternoon, he got a phone call from their coach from them their agent going, uh, um, "Here's the bill. Who, who, who do I send the bill to?" And he's like, "What do you mean? Who would I send the bill to?" And the players are unaware that their agent had done that. Um, Another situation where apparently a rugby player went and did a talk for a, for a company, and then the player agent, when he invoiced, also even it was like a uh, an X thousand dollar bill, added on twenty five dollars for petrol, um, which annoyed the <laughs> which annoyed the the company. And again, the player wasn't aware of um, aware of that. I guess the other point here is uh, when. I guess dealing with player agents. Um, I'm, I'm sure your player agent is. An, I'm sure your agent is an absolute, uh, uh, an angel and a, and a shining star and a wonderful guy. Um, but uh, I, I, how do players sort of pick or or choose an agent? How do you know the good ones from the bad ones? Well, I guess um, I've probably had a fair share of uh, you know experiences with agents, and it's it's quite tricky because a lot of the young guys coming through, um, you know, they'll definitely listen to someone who's going to say, oh, you know, I'll give you this this and this you know and they'll sort of jump at it and at the young age you're probably not reading the fine print um as the details and stuff like that you're just you're hearing information or you're hearing what you want to hear not what you need to hear mm -hmm. um so as young players you know they're sort of driven by okay he can get me this he can get me that um whereas as you sort of experience it um as myself now like i've sort of um a little bit older but a little, hopefully a little bit wiser um you know i've picked up that there's some things that you can have control of um, and when it comes to like contracts and stuff, you're obviously going to need um, more experienced or you know players that could help you, or um, a lawyer who's a good mate who could probably have have a read over the fine print. So there's different ways in which you can deal with it. Um, but yeah, there, there's probably a lot of agents out there who are probably cowboys and and just want the best for themselves and not for the player. So you got to be careful who you choose and who you trust. And you know sometimes it's hard for young guys because they want the opportunity. Um, and they'll jump at it um, because, you know, rugby in New Zealand is such a competitive sport that if someone's shining a light uh, to go this way, um, you're definitely going to jump at it because there's probably 20 other young fellas coming through New Zealand who are just as good or just as great. So. Well, yeah, most most young boys in, in New Zealand are wanting to be All Blacks. Um, Stephen, you, you, like, see, you, you want, want to add, add something there? It, it's a really shame. It's a real shame because um, this Queensland Reds team um, at the start of Super Rugby, they were looking like a really enjoyable team to watch. A lot of young guys. I think the young fullback by the name of Campbell, I think it was named. And the boy Wilson at number eight looked a really good player and sprinkled through with a group of really good, young, promising Pacific Island players as well. We know that the, the Tongan, the Tongan Thor, well, gee, he could be. That kid could be anything. He's he, he's so dynamic, but they've got a couple of good uh, midfield as well. The boy that was getting who's injured, Jordan Pattaya, I think his name is. He might have made the World Cup squad late last year, and, and they've got a couple of other good young boys as well. So just sort of reading between the lines, probably not a lot of love lost between 
Brad Thorne and Isaac Rodder. I think Isaac, Isaac Rodder, part of the deal was, I think he just lost the captaincy as well. So something's gone a little astray between the coach, between the coach and I think the players themselves were a little bit disappointed that maybe some of the stuff was being aired in public as a, as opposed to being kept close to the chest because I, I actually think this is a real one, wonderful opportunity for the Queens and Reds to make a statement. No disrespect to um, watching the Brumbies play, but I mean to say their style of play, if you like driving malls, well, that, that's your thing. But, you know, watching the, watching the Reds, they are one Australian side – this guy doesn't mind watching. They play a good brand of footy. They do. They do. That's that's, that's um, very true. And two of these players had signed up pretty uh, long long term uh, co um, contracts recently, and were clearly in the Wallabies' thoughts. The a one of the things they've got to say with the is that you got to you got to um, well, one of the points they made or one of the points their agent made was look, even if they take these pay cuts, will they be getting paid next year? And what certainty is there that New Zealand, oh, sorry, that Australian rugby or Rugby Australia will be around next year? What's I mean, is, is the contract they're, they're, that they've got worth anything? Um, and I, I guess that uncertainty does definitely. Um, uh, I, I can understand where they're coming from 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 from, yeah. from, from that point of view. I think there's, um, but as you say, the fact that this has been played in public, I mean, we've been talking to a lot of people in a lot of different provinces around the country. Um, and we know there's, there's, there are various things going on uh, that, that aren't happening in public, but it's dealt with behind closed doors. It's dealt, dealt, dealt with properly. It's not washing laundry in public. Uh, most of it's dealt with um, behind uh, with with due negotiation, like you're supposed to do, and then you come out with a combined, with with an agreed answer at the end of it. Unfortunately, in Australia, that doesn't seem to be the case. Everything seems to be done in public first, uh, and then you eventually get an answer, uh, which hasn't which hasn't helped the game. Um, uh, in, 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 in any way. Um, the uh, interesting one there from Simon uh, is that the Pro 14 teams can now spend the money they've got from CVC deal as, as it's gone through. Um, the uh, is uh, we, heard, we had Francois Lowe coming out uh, at the weekend talking about how lots of players were really concerned about their futures because in, in, in England because the, the, the team the, or the clubs are bleeding cash. Um, the uh, I've gone blank. The ex Hurricanes coach who's now at some um, Saints, Chris Boyd. Mm. Chris Boyd, thank you. Uh, mentioned that if the Premiership teams hadn't got the CVC money, they would have been in real, really a lot more trouble than they are they are in now. Um, the there has been a suggestion, Dwayne, that, 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 that there's going to be a whole bunch of players coming back to. Uh, New Zealand just because the clubs in Europe can't afford to pay the salaries they have done, uh, they're going to have less foreigners. Uh, are, are you hearing from your mates that we're going to see more players that, that, that some players are thinking of coming home um, and uh, playing Super Rugby again or other or, or, or yeah or, or, or club rugby? Yeah, probably just um, depend on where they are. I think um, a lot of the UK-based boys are looking to come back home um, uh, purely obviously because of what's going on and, and also security. Um, you know, not sure if they're going to have a contract um, moving forward. Uh, and, and that's kind of the saddest thing. Um, but also just, yeah, just sort of depending on um, what goes on. Um, you know, I think in Japan as well, they're, they're looking quite safe. Um, bit of a safe haven for a lot of the Kiwi boys. Um, but also over there, they're not too sure with their club season as well. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, it is tricky times, but... Um, yeah, hopefully uh, it'll all be sold soon. So the uh, obviously you you've got a what is your one year into a three year contract, I think it is over in the, uh, Major League Rugby. So for you, um, and Major League Rugby was one of the few leagues that didn't ask for players to play to, to take pay cuts. They 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 uh, they publicly said that they that they paid out their contracts in full. So that's uh, so you're in a a, a nice. Uh, well, you're, you're in the situation you expected to be in pre-COVID because you know you got your three-year your contracts. Um, but yeah, for those players in Europe, in, in England, some of them expect I've been asked to take 25%. Some of them are just taking 50% yeah. pay-ups. Um, there's increasingly looks like the season won't be restarted over there. Uh, so uh, if they wanted to get their off-season to come home and, and, and visit family, um, they need to do it quick before 
the off season is kind of that they, they they might get told you know what you officially get a five week break you've already been on a break for the past three months so hey folks there's no off season into training can you come there's lots of uncertainty like that isn't there, uh, around for those guys so we we uh, we may see them home earlier than we than, than we were expecting um but it's interesting to see yeah how many that will be uh, and will that block I mean, one of the thing one of the advantages of players going overseas is all this new talent that comes through i mean Stephen, we talked about six players at hawks bay being signed straight from high school um and and one of those two years later is now the backup fly half uh at the chiefs um would it block these players coming through i mean is, is, it, is it actually a good thing to have all these experienced players coming back well, I just kind of—it's sort of like the the pipe is being cogged all all of a sudden. Listen, I can uh, further to what Dwayne was saying. I think for a lot of those players who are coming back to New Zealand, I think they're just looking for a, a little bit of sanctuary, just to be close to Fano and and friends. You know, people people who they can trust during a, a lockdown situation. And I think they know that you know there's not there's nothing better than the heart, whether it's uh, up in Samoa or, or, or back in Tonga or here in, in Aotearoa. And I think for a lot of those players. It, it was just getting back to a uh, to pretty much to a safe safe haven, and I I think for the, a lot of those players coming back, listen, they're all they're all athletes. They they get paid to play this game because they love it, and I think these guys, I think some of these guys will go. And, I think if they had half the chance, they'd go and run around for a senior B team, just to just to basically get a, a run around pool. Um, but no, I don't listen. I think it'll be great to have these players back. From overseas, because I think one thing we've learned about New Zealand rugby, players who have gone to the higher level are great at passing the knowledge down to the younger guys. I mean, so you, you mentioned Hawks Bay before. I think that was totally ballsy by uh, Mark Asich and, and Josh Symes to pick six guys out of Hastings. Hastings boys, it's just absolutely unheard of. But in reality, I think Dwayne will testify to this. A lot of the schools now have got academies, and for crying out loud, some of them are actually coming out of school even more versed than your actual senior club footballers who take a, a little bit longer to develop because they haven't had that luxury of a school academy. Dwayne, I'd be really interested to get your thoughts on that. Uh, yes, it's so true. Um, you know, I, I think coming through um, my first years of club footy, uh, we were training with St. Kent's, um, St. Kent's, um, you know, East, and just the program in itself, the gym facilities, uh, not just them, you know, you had King's College, you had um, Dilworth as well, who's, who's got a great rugby program. Um, and not just Auckland, best there's you know, schools across all of New Zealand um, building bloody, um, you know, beasts, you know, just, just coming through. And it's not only good for New Zealand rugby, but, you know, for them to just develop the next generation of young kids coming through, it's, 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 it's awesome to watch. And just what Stephen touched on, um, you know, you got the likes of, you know, um, or Julian Sevier coming back, you've got Ben Smith. They just passed down that knowledge, they've learned um, that different style of European compared to Southern Hemisphere rugby. It's just knowledge that they will always bring down. Um, and if, if anything, you know, because the talent is so good here, um, you know, the young, the young boys will keep them young as well, you know, challenge those old fellas to, to stay in shape and to, you know, not relax because, you know, the next next kid coming through is just as great, you know. So um, the beauty of Bunny's rugby is they continue to develop um, and a lot of the old guys that do come do help, um, do give that knowledge that they've learnt over the years. This, this uh, Simon mentions an interesting thing in the chat here. He says that uh, he's heard that Green Island may be um, may not be playing uh, Ben Smith okay. due to insurance reasons, uh, and he's only going to train with them. Um, Dwayne is. Yeah, is <laughs> uh, is, is that what you've had to pretty think expensive. about? Have you, have, you, have, you, have you had to check the insurance situation with with your club before before playing, or awesome. how's that? So before, um, so uh, maybe just our club, not too sure. Maybe a couple of other MLR clubs, but you sign sort of a, a release form um, that allows you to play uh, for respective unions or, or clubs, um, and then that sort of just pass the parcel, you know, sort of thing. So um, you know, it's due to. Well, maybe all rugby or um, club rugby or Pukaranga, um or you know, clubs to take care of that side of things. Um, but yeah, you sign a release form to allow you to, to play. So, which makes things a lot trickier for say the you know Japanese boys that are here um, for COVID, um, or even the European boys that are as well that are here. 
Um, whether or not their clubs will allow that, that's just a, a question they'll probably have to talk with their coaches and directors and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, um, uh, and Kieran Reid is back, and uh, I think, Stephen, you mentioned you didn't recognise him because uh, he'd shaved his beard off. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did see that. I had no idea. I saw the interview on video, and I thought, my God, who's the young guy? Who's the young guy? <laughs> it was uh, it was Kieran Reid without a beard. I'd never I'd never uh, never seen that before. I think um, the last time I recognised some unrecognised somebody like that was Patrick Tuipoloto when he grew a beard and he shaved it off, and I didn't know who it was. Yeah, so it's interesting yeah, because he, he's back. Yeah, he's one of those people that, so that Dwayne's sort of referring to there as as back from Japan, um, who is uh, who, who could be available for for his club, um, and also for for Meister Ten Cup. Um, but again, yeah, can they can, can they afford the the insurance to cover him? If he were to get injured and the loss of earnings um, that he would have from from that uh, is, is potentially yes, whether whether they can afford to, to insure him or not. The the interest to see who he would play for um, because clearly he was yeah, registered. He? he was really registered with counties, but he was he was, he was registered with with, um, uh, with 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 Canterbury for a while. And then towards his end of time with his Crusaders, he changed it to counties. Um, mm. But I don't know if that's where he's his actual house, where he actually lives in New Zealand now. Is it within striking distance of counties? Uh, I don't know where his home is uh, because you think, yeah, he want to play for somewhere near his home rather than if he lives down in Christchurch to uh, to travel up and say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play for for counties. I'll just come up and rent a house in Auckland for um, for twelve well, weeks. There's about five or six houses up here anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, it'd be interesting to see who, who he plays. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think uh, counties would love to have him back. Let's be honest. Um, the uh, so, Dwayne, are you looking at? Uh, have you thought about my Sun Cup and um, putting your hand up for that, or do, do you know what the situation is 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 with that, or are you looking at just doing the club season and then having your off season before um, uh, before before Major League Rugby again? Oh, I definitely yeah, definitely looking at it. Like um, sort of keeping my option options open, but I'm happy to be home and, and playing sort of club footy. Um, having played for Pakarana for about four or five years now, so um, it'd be good to um, run around as the boys again and, and just get a feel of how club footy is um, back home. Um, you know, I've definitely missed it, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely open to, you know, if, if the opportunity does arise, but um, yeah, enjoying being home and uh, looking forward to the club season, actually. So you've said it's been a few years since you've played. It's are there any of this? Are any of this, the players you used to play with for the club still there, or uh, or are they all new boys? Probably just a handful, to be honest. Um, it's funny. I had a um, conversation with one of the um, old boys, and they said um, club rugby in Auckland is a young men's game now. You, you don't see the, the mid thirties. Um, old now is like late twenties. You know, it's it's different. Um, it's changed. Um, so you know, club rugby back then. I remember playing ponies when I was a young fella. Um, you know, 35-year-olds, 34-year-olds, you know, still sort of running around. Um, and nowadays it's, it's very rare that um, they're probably all in the, in the senior senior ones and, and prezies, you know, drinking a few beers in halftime and stuff like that. So, um, uh, you know, Stephen will probably know more in terms of the club scene, but, yeah, that was just a conversation that I had with uh, some of the lads that uh, club rugby in Auckland is a young man's game. I think they probably just... I think I can recall that season that uh, Pakuranga won the Gallagher Shield uh, when you beat uh, University in the final. In fact, you didn't just beat them. You absolutely de destroyed them. But that was just yeah, – yeah. I'll tell you what, that was just uh, my memories of that game. Um, Pakuranga were absolutely up for that game. Now, did, did Malakai play in, the, play in that particular game? Yeah, he, was, yeah, he was definitely there. Yep, yeah, he, he played. Was he played the. He had a really big, strong, strapping second five as well. Who was a who went down to the Bay yeah, of Plenty. Yeah, he was. He was really good. Gee, that was a that was a very, very handy club side. Is uh, is Peter Alatini still involved with uh, the club? Yep, yep. Peter still there, still director of rugby, uh, and still looking after things. So he's yeah, he's been there a couple of years now, um, and yeah, it's just a battle of. Um, I think we we spoke about keeping the young boys interested in rugby. Um, you know, and what's going on with COVID. Um, it's about finding the interest again, and hopefully the young boys are still so keen to, to get stuck into it. 
Um, you know, cover as I say, cover has probably changed there in Auckland, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing how it is. Oh, it's it's really great to see. Um, I know back in the day when I was involved with uh, with with the, with the Waitemata Club, there wasn't a lot of Pacific Island coaches around, but it's 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 absolutely fantastic to see. Obviously, Peter Peter there, Mani Toaloa, who's over at um, over at uh, College Rifles, Tani Fuga, and ex and ex legend, him and Peter. Coaching at, at Ponsonby, it's it's just absolutely fantastic to see. A question I, I was going to ask Paul Sorry to, to to take over here. I um I know back in the day I had uh, Census Johnson when he played at uh, Waitemata, and I always remember asking Census about you know if you ever got to international level, you know would it be great to play for the All Blacks? And he turned around and said, No, no, I want I want to play for Samoa and. And I know he ended up. I think James's brother ended up playing for for Samoa as well. And and I just think it's it's a fantastic thing to see a lot of boys coming through the New Zealand system, Pacific Island boys, who are putting down their markers straight away, saying, "Man, I want to play for my country of origin." Is uh, do you think it's a great thing, uh, Dwayne? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know that's sort of how um, yeah, as a young kid, everyone grows up in New Zealand aspiring to be an all-black. Um, you know, you see legends and stuff there, and obviously those opportunities do close up quite quickly. Um, as I said, you know, the talent is enormous here in New Zealand, so you've got to look at other ways to to pave that path for yourself. And, um, you know, and, you know, I could only speak for myself and, and probably centres as well, you know. He is in a position where you have props falling from the sky, you know, who are great, great players, so he had to look at... Manu Samoa is an opportunity, uh, and that's taken him around the world. And he's just recently retired, uh, and at the age of you know, young, thirty-eight-year-old. So, um, you know, it's it's crazy what rugby can do. Um, it's opened many, many doors for 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 players and myself included. Um, and you know, players that um, take other opportunities is just it is what it is. You know, you just got to you got to keep going on and, and looking for those opportunities. It's it's absolutely staggering the the number of really really good. Pacific Island players running around in Auckland club, club rugby who at times you've just got to imagine what they look like. Maybe don't always look at their fitness, just basically what they can look at, what they can actually do with it, with a football. I think one of the probably sad stories to me is a, a number eight who played for White Matter back in the day, actually played a game for the Blues, Ari Hunt, who was a, a, a number eight at White Matter. And that's a, a really, really sad story. Got, got injured, but you know, here's a kid with international size, um, as a number eight, I think when the when the Blues played against the Crusaders a few years ago, they actually had to find some video, dig out some video footage of of Ari. And this is a guy you're talking six four, six five. Nah. Gee, could you imagine him running off the back of a uh, back back of a back of a scrum for uh, for Samoa? He'd, he'd give you some go forward. I, I remember him clearly. Um, you know, the club game. Well, I think he had a game against him, and he just ran around the, um, around us. Um, and I think he was plucked straight out of club rugby, straight into the Blues. Um, mm. And then, yeah, obviously injury and stuff like that. So, was, you know, there's many stories where, um, you know, club rugby players were um, playing good footy. And, you know, we had a, a case where Alisi Pulu was one of our props. Um, he didn't turn up to one of our trainings. And then we went home and they played a game against, I think it was the Barbarians, Blues versus Barbarians. And um, Alatini, Peter Alatini said, oh, that, that's pretty good excuse to miss training. So, um, you know, that was a Tuesday night. So, Oh, I think it was a Thursday night, actually. Yeah, that was one of the many stories. And, you know, that's the beauty of club rugby here in Auckland. There's so much talent running around. Um, probably just not enough pro teams to, to take that talent further. Um, yeah. It is, you've, you've, you've kind of hit a nail on the head there with with, with some of the issues that club rugby is. Uh, you, you turn up to training and someone just wasn't there. And why? And no, he hadn't told anybody or, or, or and it isn't just to him, but... I hear stories when I'm at, at clubs here, where in, in you know, basically in, in Thames Valley and, and Waikato, which is where most of the clubs I go to, chatting away and go, yeah, well, we're not sure which guys will actually turn up for training midweek, uh, for training sessions. They won't necessarily say, they won't necessarily call in and say, sorry guys, I can't make it this week because I've got a shift or or whatever. Um, yeah, there are some players who have got the skill if given the opportunity, but they just don't have that, uh, the, the, the professionalism to... To communicate properly with their, with their coaches and to and perhaps take that extra step, I, I think there's a there's a lot of guys like that at, in club rugby who could do if they were a bit more professional about their approach to it um, as well. 
But um, sorry, I'll have a little soapbox there. Um, uh, no, that's all. Um, I'll just touch on that. Um, I think a lot of the young boys, um, I only speak because, um, you know, there's, if, if you can show a pathway for a lot of these young boys, um, then, you know, they'll definitely put their minds to it and, and train. And, you know, it's up to the individual if they do decide to, to play rugby and to train and prepare themselves mentally, physically. Um, you know, and a lot of the time, I think, uh, straight out of school, they're really probably shut out because they're not in the academies um, and, and, you know, they're, they're not in, you know, the system. Um, so then, all, all you know, automatically they're thinking, oh, I'll probably have to go look for a job or I'll just play rugby just to hang with my mates and stuff like that. So I think if you can find pathways in which that next tier of players, um, not solely just focusing on academy players, because there's so much talent, you know, I can speak from players that I've played with um, and young guys that are still coming through now. Um, and they say the same thing. Oh, you know, I wasn't in the academy or I didn't make Auckland under 16 and stuff like that. Or, so if there's another avenue or pathway in which we can probably guide these young kids to go through, then, man, you know, we've done our job as um, building the next year and also making Auckland rugby and New Zealand rugby stronger. So, I yeah, you know, I, I get that if they haven't made an academy, that the the I guess the motivation perhaps isn't is is isn't there. But I mean, I used to play amateur field hockey, um, very amateur, um, social, very social, um, and yeah, I uh, just because I, I I enjoyed it being around the guys, uh, also because I wanted to be uh, at least as, as as competitive as as I could be as a as a um, well, if you're not as competitive as I could be, uh, but I would always turn up to training every week. If I couldn't, I'd let the coach know. And you think, yeah, just just how much effort does it take to quickly flick him a text saying, "Sorry, I've got a shift tonight. I can't make. I can't make it." I just think that kind of, yeah, that that's um, uh, that's yeah, that professionalism. One thing I, just, I do want to touch on though, the Gallagher Shield has been contested since eighteen eighty three. Pakaranga, that game that Stephen was talking about with you there was twenty thirteen. That's the only time. Well, that was the first time Pakaranga. And the only time back around I've won. So, um, yeah, that was a that was a big year for 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 the club, um, and to get a couple of the players back from that team uh, for for this year will be um, will, will, will be very cool. Um, in that one, Paul. Paul, I heard the Paul, I heard the party went for about two weeks. <laughs> out, of the, out, of the, out of the Pukuranga Rugby Club. That's, yeah, you're um, not wrong there. You're definitely not wrong there. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a good good few weeks of celebration and um, the clubhouse was, you know, chocker. Um, it, was, it was definitely exciting times for the club and it was just a team that sort of stuck together for you know, probably what, four years or sort of when Wayne Pivak took over um, and he sort of started the, and the whole process and, and we stuck together since then and it was probably our fourth year we won the championship from that team that sort of started together. So, um, yeah, that was some good memories then. Um, and that, that's probably one of the fondest memories of rugby is because you play with your mates and, um, you know, you work a normal job and then you sort of turn up and play and then you win a Gallo Shield. So that was a yeah, special year. A lot of a lot of very good players have never won the Gallagher Shield. Paul, interesting, interesting what we were, we were talking oh, about. He just dropped a name there and we just we just sort of just, just, just drifted past it. Wayne Pivak, uh, international co- head coach for Wales now, um, was so yeah. We're, we're, we're not talking uh, yeah. We're talking a, a very very good coach um, was there as well. It took was yeah the players and coach all together. Sorry, go on, Stephen. I was about to say just just with regards to the the mindset of the you, you get these really good young Pacific Island players and, and and you see them playing and some of them have to be nurtured really really slowly because the old adage everybody's got a story like you'll see that you'll see the most talented kid and sometimes he doesn't turn up to training and you know sometimes if you you get close to these kids you find out there's a little bit more happening at home you know they they, they might be helping their mum out to to basically be the main main winner and it's Sometimes if you've, if you've got a coach or a, or a manager who's got some contacts that can help the kids out, help the families. I know we're sort of going more social here, but sometimes that's to make it happen, that's pretty much what you've got to do. I know through my own circumstances as a, as a manager, I think I probably spent more time uh, trucking, trucking boys to and from home and basically making my wife cook feeds feeds for these kids. You know, just to make – sometimes you've got to just make these kids feel loved. I suppose is yeah. 
more 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 than anything else. And and I think a lot of these kids don't always haven't always found themselves and always been probably knocked knocked down, being told they're they're not not quite good enough. And um, but if you get these kids' mindset right, boy, uh, anything's possible. God, I wish I could save them all, but the fact of the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we 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 can't sort of thing. And there really is some some really really good kids. And I always I know sometimes we we get into quite a hefty debate about New Zealand rugby not doing a hell of a lot. Well, I can tell you for, for nothing that down at grassroots level, there's a lot of volunteers who do a do an absolute one wonderful wonderful job but i'm listen i'm just wrapped to have somebody like Dwayne on tonight who actually chose his part his own path and um and boy look at look at the doors it's it's open i wish i wish it was there for everybody that sort of opportunity yeah and uh, i'm you know commend my soapbox. For, for, for doing um, great work because every club has a, a good guy or good lady that that does all that the groundwork that never sort of you know appears in, in media and stuff you know that people don't touch it or, or see it um so yeah if club rugby is um, a beautiful thing and um you know as i said uh, people find their own pathways and and try and take that opportunity to, to have a good crack um and if we could you know come down to their level sometimes and understanding them as people first before they are the superstar or the rugby player, um, you'll probably get the best out of them, um, and you'll probably get them, you know, kick up the butt to, to do fitness or the things they don't like because, you know, you take good care of them and you just feel like you're you're not just a rugby player, you're, you're a person. Um, so yeah, no, that's awesome, Rick. Appreciate that, Steve. Actually, one topic I've, I've just 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 come to mind is we've talked about all these players returning from Europe. Um, now we're going to overrun, so I probably won't have time to dig into this one. As we've seen, yeah, the, the alarm's gone off. It's time to go home. Um, uh, the, uh, <laughs> a reminder. It was a reminder. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but what, what, one of the things I remember from uh, from last season uh, was, was going down to Tyra Rugby Club um, in the 2019 season, and they had 12 foreign players. Now, Tyra... Um, is a small town in a Heartland Championship um, uh, province. So, I mean, we're talking pretty much what, what I guess a pretty low level of of, 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 of rugby compared to. Um, it's, it's not Auckland club competition by any stretch. They had twelve foreigners there on basically um, on year long working visas, doing kiwi fruit picking, um, working in the local butcher um, or the local motel uh, as all the businesses around the club. Sort of would, would 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 give a job for these guys to um, to to do for the for the summer or sorry for the winter. Um, that's not going to happen this year uh, because of our of our of our lockdown um, lockdown borders. I do wonder how many team how many clubs are going to struggle to actually put teams out because they haven't got these overseas players who want to come over and try out um, for rugby. Uh, um, how tapu the uh, Waikato Championship last season. I know Will. Uh, they, they've got a Scottish boy who's actually stayed here during lockdown um, to, to to play with them. Uh, he's working at one of the local studs uh, horse horse uh, stables. Um, but yeah, they, they, we we may see some some of the rural clubs or um, struggle to uh, to put teams out. Um, so if you fancy running out and playing some rugby, please get down to your local club. Um, we are out of time. Uh, Dwayne, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much um, for joining us. As Stephen says, uh, yeah, we're going to try twisting your arm and uh, get you on every week. Um, but, um, Stephen, a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining me. No, not not a not a problem at all, Paul. I, I know you were going to quickly touch on Hadley Parks and George Cruz. I googled both of them, and I think the reason that they're moving to Japan, I think Hadley Parks is coming up to about his thirty-second birthday, and uh, George Cruz is on the other side of thirty. So it might be just a case of not so much seeing the writing on the wall, but maybe looking at at, at an opportunity and maybe thinking um, international footy has, has passed them. So sorry we didn't get to that, but I was so intrigued about the uh, talking uh, club and glass, grassroots this evening. It's been fantastic. And as uh, Paul previously said, Dwayne, absolute privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. Thank you for having me and uh, thank you for the opportunity.
And you know, we, we, but you talk about George Chris and Henry Cox, they're both current internationals with Wales and with England. They, they would they would have some more games, some more in them. Um, but uh, what it does show is that, the, that uh, I think Dwayne mentioned earlier, that Japan is going is, is still a viable place to go and play rugby overseas. They still have the salaries. Um, it's not going to be just, uh, it's not that every, that um, all the overseas contracts are going to dry up. There are, it might just change from being Europe to Japan as being where most of them are. Um, you've got to remember that um, Chris and Hadley Parks were replacing Sam Whitelock and Damien Delendi. Um, so, uh, yeah, not bad players um, for the, for Panasonic yeah. Wild Knights up there. Um, so, thank you, everybody. Stephen and I will be back at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning with the, the, the morning sports briefing. Um, your best way to start the day um, up to date with all of the important sports news. We will be back next week. Uh, but I think I'm going to rename Hash Rugby Chat to be the Driving Mall Show now that we've got um, New Zealand Sports Radio up and running. So don't worry about the ch name change. The show will be exactly the same. Tomorrow night, 8pm, we have Do You Know Sport, the best radio sports quiz in New Zealand, the only radio sports quiz in New Zealand. Um, and uh, on Thursday evening, we have Swing From The Hips, our uh, cricket show. But remember, folks, if you would like to talk rugby league, then please get in touch because we'd love to get a rugby league show off the ground as well. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.